Hey, everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Good morning. Hello. Today on the show, we are going to talk about the Insidious franchise. We certainly are. But we wouldn't want you to be without your horror facts. So we're going to do that as well Ooh, today on we the are. show. In Insidious fact, Facts with Kat. <laughs> so just in case you guys don't know, the Insidious film series at the moment has five films. The fifth one just came out in theaters. And it's an American horror film series created by Lee Whannell and James Wan originally. And so it has Insidious from 2010, Chapter 2 from 2013, Chapter 3 from 2015, The Last Key, 2018, and this year, The Red Door. And it's been a very popular series. I wouldn't say it's like one of the most populars, but I know that when the first movie came out, it was really good and everybody really liked it. And we will get into how, how we feel about each film now because we've watched them recently and I actually programmed them in our private discord group and we've like our group there watched them all over the last month to prep to see the new film so I have a pretty recent <laughs> feeling about it and so it, it should be it should be really interesting because I I experienced it differently now than I did then so but first oh. we should do a little thing we like to call Insidious facts with girl. Insidious facts with meow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Number one. Back in 2018, when The Last Key hit cinemas, Jason Blum considered doing a crossover with what horror franchise of the same decade? Okay. Number two. How long did the first Insidious take to shoot? <laughs> yeah. Number three. The lipstick-faced demon that scares the living shit out of me personally, <laughs> um, and all of us, in both Lorraine's flashback and Josh's bride in black Polaroid scene, was played by Joseph Bashara. Bashara had another important role in the film doing what? <laughs> Scaring the shit out of Kathy. Scaring us more. <laughs> Number four. <clears throat> what famous villain is drawn on the chalkboard when Josh is at school during the first insidious film? <laughs> okay. And then number five. Which film in the franchise had the lowest Rotten Tomato score but became the highest grossing. This is obviously not including the newest film. Right, so, right. Just yeah. the first four. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. All right. Thank you for that. I love the themed horror facts with Kath. Wait till Shark Week. <laughs> I know. So in a few weeks, a couple weeks, we're going to do a shark, shark horror episode. So she'll have some facts for that as well. I figure we just go through and talk about each film briefly or not briefly, however long we like. And then maybe at the end we can kind of give our ranking of which ones upon this watching where we stand with what we like. So, I can do that. Cool, man. So the first Insidious film, as I said, came out in 2010. It's PG-13. So I always like to find good PG-13 horror flicks. 
Hour and 43 minutes, horror mystery thriller. A family looks to prevent evil spirits from trapping their comatose child in a realm called the Further. Upon rewatching this movie, my general feeling was that this was James Wan directing, Lee Winnell writing. It starred Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, Ty Simpkins, etc., and I remember thinking this was such a solid, great horror film at the time. And that it doesn't take away from that, my feelings now, because for the time it was in 2010. But now looking back at it and having seen James Wan's career take off and go in different directions, for me, it didn't hold up as well as I would have hoped. And you know what? That's a testament to the fact that James Wan can do more than a jump scare now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because for me, this film definitely was filled with a lot of what I think he does really well is he sets up scares really well, Mm -hmm. like the tension and all of that you're feeling. And then the way the execution comes with the jump scare is to make a big loud sound and give you a flash frame of whatever it is. And then you've jumped and move on to the next thing. And I just think that later, a few years later, he did it so much better in the conjuring Mm -hmm. that I, I see the arc of his career. And so it didn't quite hold up as well as I had hoped it would, but I still enjoyed the watch. Yeah, that's a fair assessment. I would agree with that. And I agree that it's also a testament to his, how much he's improved. Um, and now maybe what our expectations are mm-hmm. because he's done in increasingly well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, if I look at it just as where it was at its time mm-hmm. for me, I thought it was one of the best ensemble casts that I've seen in horror recently. And I also really love the way that, he's been able to use Lynn Shay in and out of this entire series because her character is so profound. And it's one of the first horror series that I felt did astral projection well, and it, and it just uh, worked and it felt effective and it, it was interesting because I think, I think astral projection has been used before and they don't, there's no rules around it. Like they were able to keep it pretty tight until the, newer ones and I'll get into that later of what I thought where that broke for me I also think that it was very evident to me that Jason Blum did not have have as much of an influence in the first couple of films and usually when he did you know I think I had mentioned this through the Halloween franchise is like he that just shouldn't have been his the new one personally I just felt like that when he does standalone films that are not you know, a series or they're not a franchise. I I tend to love Blumhouse stuff, but I feel like when he has too much influence in movies that have established themselves and now we're recreating, I don't feel he always does that very well. And again, I'll talk about that later when we get to the newer, newer film, but I just, uh, I, I still, as a, as a movie on its own, I still really like number one. Mm -hmm. It's not my favorite, um, but I, you know, when I rewatched it, I'm like, it's still a solid, like I can yeah. still go back and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. In other words. Yeah, exactly. Just like I said, I, I enjoyed the watch. Uh, they're on HBO max currently when, when we're recording this, but mm-hmm. you know, they flip and flop around. I think it could have been a good standalone film mm-hmm. without Same. a world and five movies and all of that. You know, it ends on a want, 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 but that's okay. I love it when movies can do that and, mm-hmm. and they're still solid. Insidious. Chapter 2. Chapter 2. 
around the same length. 2013, again, PG-13. And that is one of the things I do like about this franchise is PG-13. Like, I like a, I like to find horror movies that are PG-13. I think in our new season, I have a an episode where we talk about our favorite PG-13 horror. And I think that's like a, that's a great way to, great thing because a lot of people, you know, that you may be listening to us for our psychological content and although we talk a lot about psychology and horror films, you might not like horror films. So you might not have watched a lot of the films that we, that we watch, but honestly, PG 13 horror is a great way for uh, young people or people who don't really like love gore or any of that to right. get into, to get into horror. And I, and I just, just a think good story. I know. And in like spooky times anyway, mm-hmm. insidious chapter two, the Lamberts believe that they have defeated the spirits that have haunted their family, but they soon discover that evil is not beaten up so easily. So my general feeling about this movie is, you know, we have the the same cast of characters. It's James Wan. It's written by Lee and James, Patrick, Rose, Barbara Hershey, everybody's back, etc. I think all of the mystery and everything they set up in one, in the very first one, and how they left it and everything, I think that chapter two takes that and tries to, like, unravel it all. Mm-hmm. And I think that was a mistake. I agree. Okay. And I also think, I understand why they made the choice of like possessing him. Sure. I don't know if I didn't like it because I didn't like it as part of the story or I didn't like it because I didn't want him to be evil. I don't know why. (laughs) Um, It just kind of unraveled the rules they set up and I don't. They did. And this is what I'm saying is like from one to two, the the rules start to like all of a sudden have this, this, this flexibility. And I don't know, when you make a franchise like this, I think one thing that keeps it, solid is like okay you can't do that if you're doing this right and they just start to change the rules i do like a lot of the flashback scenes i do think it's great that we start to understand more about josh Mm -hmm. and his relationship with his mother i I love barbara hershey in the series i wanted yeah so much more of her flashbacks and stuff in number five all in all i even as a standalone film this one is the most forgettable for me yes and i think the only reason why it stands out is there are a lot of great scares and great sound editing and it's very effective as a scary film but 100 percent agree that the story kind of gets lost on you and they're trying to do too much they could have broken this into two films and got rid of three altogether <laughs> maybe so I appreciate the spooky parts of this. I really do. Like, I like all the little creepy things that are in these movies. But I do feel like, you know, if I had an issue with the, let me make a loud sound to startle you in the first movie as a way of scaring you, which is a a very PG-13 way of doing things. It's one of the tools that a PG-13 horror movie has in its arsenal because it's not gory. It's not not sexual. It's not offensive. It just startles you. Right. So great. And, and okay. A few of them. Great. This one ramps that up and there's like four times as many. Mm-hmm. It's like I literally have to ride the volume when I'm you know you do I'm, when I'm watching this one because there's so many sound jump scares and that just gets so tiring. <laughs> I know me. you're not a huge fan of those. I really like those in the theater. Um, I like a well executed one, and I and you and you can give it. I can take it like two or three times in a movie. 
I will say this though, and this is more of a comment about the franchise than this one necessarily. But as much as this wasn't my favorite, I love the way that Lynn Shea is used through this entire series. And she, again, was a very solid piece, even though she did not have a very big part in this one. Her parts to me, like she's the strongest character in yeah, my I really opinion, like Lynn Shea. across yeah. just even just her character, the way they use it and the way they write her. She until number five really doesn't break any of those rules. So, right. Right. Um, no, I really enjoy her all yeah. throughout. Of course mm-hmm. we're big Lynn Shea fans anyway. So <laughs> yeah, she's been a long time independent film actress. And so it works. We just, we just like her. Mm-hmm. Insidious Chapter 3 is from 2015, again, PG-13. It's a prequel. It's a horror mystery thriller. A prequel set before the haunting of the Lambert family that reveals how gifted psychic Elise Rainier reluctantly agrees to use her ability to contact the dead in order to help a teenage girl who has been targeted by a dangerous supernatural entity. So, that's what Kathy's talking about in this one. We really get to see Lee's backstory mm-hmm. and there's some funny characters that come in. This one stars uh, Dermot Mulrooney, Stephanie Scott, Angus Sampson, and is the third offering. So for me, I like this one a lot. I liked it even more upon the rewatch, you know, rewatching mm-hmm. these movies. I definitely changed my ranking. Sure. And I like this one a lot because I like a straightforward haunting I also thought it was really interesting because this one was the first one in the franchise that was directed by Lee Whannell, written and directed and by it, Lee Whannell. Yeah, and you can tell it's different. And it's different. And yeah. so James Wan passed it on to his writer to direct this one. And we all sort of had certain expectations, like, oh, God, you know, we didn't really know who Lee Whannell was. Just a writer. Yeah, this could really get fucked up. We didn't really know what was going to happen. And... What I thought was, is that he executes my, my issues with James Wan's early films and the jump scares and the fact that he sets up a scare really great, but the execution is just kind of like, wah, wah, wah. I thought Lee sets them up and then executes them better in this movie. It just, and I'm just comparing them in this franchise, not as film directors for everything they've ever done, but there's some creepy parts of this where she's lying in the bed and all you see is the feet going to close the door and going to the, and like that is so, that is so much more effective to me. That creepy stuff is so much more effective to me than just like a little bit of creepy and then a, a flash of a scary face and then a sound. I don't know. It was very, I liked the scares in this one. I th- think this one, even though it, it's a yes. It's a prequel to to Josh and Dalton's story, um, and it gives us a lot of background into how Elise got into the work that she's doing. And for that part of it, I really liked, and I agree with you. I think this one was far scarier than number two because it was it was just a haunted house story. It reminded me, and I'm trying to think of his name right now, Mike, the the one that did Haunting of Hill House, the director. Oh, sure. mm-hmm. um, it had that level of haunt to it which I love it was incredibly eerie and so like when I say we could have gotten rid of three altogether when I was saying how number two could have been split in half and because three is almost like its own film and it's a really good film 
and it's a different kind of scare. And I, that's what, and, and also this is where they start to bring a little bit of humor in and they use it sparingly and it works. And that's where I think they just failed so badly on number five Mm -hmm. because this one was like just an, because it was so terrifying you're like, Oh God, no, no, no. And the second you feel that way, (laughs) you get a little bit from these two idiots, right? Well, yeah. The two, the two paranormal investigators with Lynn Shay are very, very charming and fun. And Lynn is great. We get to know her story, which you've wanted for the first two. Mike Flanagan. That's who I was trying to think of. Mm -hmm. Um, It felt that way to me. And so just that little bit, and then her relationship with those two guys, Mm -hmm. I really, number three is a fun scare. Yeah, it's a fun one. You don't have to have watched any of the others. In fact, if you want to watch it and, you know, sometimes when you watch franchises, you either watch it in the, the order of release or like chronological order. If you were to watch chronological order, this would be the first one. And, you know, Dermot Mulroney is whatever in this movie. I, I it, it didn't. No, he's not he really didn't, the star he, of the show. He, he didn't really like make a mark for me in this. I, I remember liking Dermot Mulroney back in the day a lot. For whatever reason, maybe just the way his character was written or something, that didn't. But the girl that plays the main character is amazing. She's great. And the creepy creature with, you know, I don't know. I liked it. <laughs> yeah. It's good. It's a fun one. So the next one is Insidious The Last Key, which was from 2018. All these films are around... Uh, 100, 105 minutes. So this one is too, horror mystery thriller. Now this one was again, written by Lee Winnell, but directed by a whole other guy, Adam Robitel. Parapsychologist, Dr. Elise Rainier, which we've been saying, that's the Lin Shea character, faces her most fearsome and personal haunting yet as she is drowned back in drawn back into her ghostly childhood home where the terror begins. Now, I remember when this film came out and I was thinking, I just love that Lynn Shay, a woman of a certain age who has had this massively long career in indie horror, is helming this film. Women above a certain age, this was the year mm-hmm. for Jamie Lee Curtis, for Lynn Shay, for so many others, where they were helming these big box office horror films. And I was just so ha- I was just there for it. I was so happy yeah. to see it. So <clears throat> I just yeah. want to say that as a big positive for, for sure. this film. This one was when I rewatched it, and I think I shared this with you last week, not uh, during a recording. I was like, why did I not care as much for this one the first time I watched it? Because when I watched it again, it went right to the top of my list. I, I it's really good. It's so good. Yeah, I like a lot of psychology in it from her childhood, mm-hmm. how it links to the the main story. And yeah, it's all in Shay. Naturally, I'm gonna love it. Yeah. But, um, but I also think it was well directed. It was well written. It was focused. It kept moving. There wasn't any like loose ends. It made sense, uh, and it was creepy. Yeah, I love the last key creepy. He was a hand. Totally creepy. Yeah, the creepy characters in this, the villains, the the way it's executed. There's lots of astral projection stuff, which is you know, very quickly became a big part of this film, this film series and sort of the way it's a major piece of the story is that all these characters can astro project and they astro project into these demon lands and they often save each other by doing that. That's kind of the device that they use. And there's so many creepy, awful things in this movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, I liked this one a lot. 
All right, so let's get to the newest one. It's called Insidious the Red Door. It just came out this year, this summer, actually. Horror mystery thriller, still PG-13. The Lamberts must go deeper into the further. Remember, that's the astral astral projection space. That's what they call it, the further, than ever before to put their demons to rest once and for all. Now, this one was also written by Lee Winnell, but also with somebody named Scott Teams. And it was the first one directed by Patrick Wilson, who is the male, one of the male stars of the franchise. And Kathy and I went to see it in the theaters mm-hmm. because, you know, why not? We try to pick some movies. These are fun ones to see in the theater. To see each other. Yeah, because there's the jump scare thing, which this one had, of course. Feed off the energy of the audience. Yeah, yeah. it was very full house. Yeah, it was. I was kind of surprised. Because we saw it with like the second weekend it was open. Yeah, the second weekend it was open and it was still really full. So I know people are going out to see it. Yeah. So my general feeling about this movie is that I didn't like it very much. So this one follows Dalton. And I'm hoping that upon rewatch, I will see more of the good things. I do have some good things to say about it. It follows Dalton, one of the sons, and it's played by the original actor, actually, from when he was a kid. So grown up. And the brother is also the original yeah, actor. Yeah, they're He's so on this one grown too. up. I know. And they're like in this movie, which I thought was really great. That's a nice callback. And one of the sons, Dalton, is going off to college. And so you get those those college horror vibes, which is nice. There's a sidekick for him. He meets a friend, a female, who's the funny part of this movie and adds to the funny. And I thought she was funny. She and, was great. You know, some of her stuff is like misplaced in the writing, of course. Mm-hmm. But but I, I really enjoyed her. My biggest issues was that I thought the direction was good. Like I thought, I think Mm -hmm. Patrick Wilson, I wish he would have gotten to do a different movie to be able to use it more of a calling card in Hollywood. But, but I thought the direction was good. I thought the writing and sort of the idea was bad. I thought that, I mean, some of it I liked. So I liked the dad son focus, sort of the character development of like them working on their relationship. I thought was good. Mm Mm-hmm. But I feel like the script was very, very simple. So if you, so a lot of people's criticism of the fourth one, The Last Key, or I think you said it earlier about number two, it's like they were trying to do too much. The Last Key, one of the criticisms for that was, was like it was all over the place or trying to do too much, introduce too much. Well, now I think the criticism is that they didn't try to do enough. There wasn't, there wasn't, all of the things we wanted from the insidious franchise in this, there were no new twists and turns. There were no new creepy characters to be introduced. It was a very, it doesn't really intertwine with the other four movies that much, a little bit, but not that much. Of course, we still got the jump scares and the first half of it was so long it was so long before we got to any of the like astral projection. It's like it took him three hours just to get to college. I know. I'm like, how much popcorn does Kathy have to eat before well, I we had get a to lot. the scary stuff? I had a lot because now when you get the large, they if you want the refill right then and there, they give that to you too. So I was blanketed in really good popcorn. I know. So I was there was a lot that. of popcorn. She shared. She's a very nice person. She shared mm-hmm. with me. Mm-hmm. So those are some of my initial, my initial okay. thoughts. Yeah. 
I'll share some of the same, but I have a few other notes. So yeah, I loved the the family part, the relational pieces. Yeah. I wanted so much more of that. I think it was important to show where Dalton was developmentally. I think, you know, there's certain dynamics going on in the family that I don't want to give away. So I think, you know, having this teen angst and going to college, I think that that easily could have been summed up in... I don't know, 20 minutes, uh, it ends up being the focus of the film. And so here, here's what I think. And I agree with all the positive things that Shannon said. So Patrick Wilson's directorial, I don't know if it's his debut, but for this franchise, it is. And I thought it was really done really well. I thought visually it was really fun and scary. I did like the character of Chris, which is the, the friend Dalton's friend. She was great. However, too much funny. Yeah. This tried to become Scream. Uh, at certain points, I'm like, are we watching Scary Movie? Are we watching Scream? We definitely want little pieces of co- comedic relief in films that are really intense. And sometimes that's intentional to bring us up really high and, and to trigger those fear and then bring us into a place. It's like this constant dopamine rush. But this was annoyingly too much. They had characters in this film in a fraternity that they spent time on without developing. There are so many loose ends. I still don't know what the guy throwing up in the bathroom was about. Me that neither. was never answered. There's all these side things going on that they could have spent so much more time talking about what has happened in that family over the last X amount of years since number two. Mm -hmm. Now, they do a really good job at connecting what we don't know is going on in the real life of number two while they're in the astral projection. So I thought that was cool when they did some of those scenes and, but- They start breaking massive rules in this. All of a sudden, it's like whatever they want to do, they can time travel, they can go. It didn't work for me. Also, the brief piece of a lease that we have that made no sense to me, that very, there's a scene, didn't didn't add up for what the rules were and things like that. What I felt happened was you had two different movies going on. You had the movie about the family and then you had a kid at college and it was like scream and there are two movies that didn't go together. Right. So that was my biggest. And I'm thinking like, if you're going to, and we don't know if it's going to be done, but let's say for the sake of this conversation, we're going to close a franchise out. This was so disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't go with the others. No. It's a very different offering. Like I don't I don't mind that it's a different director and no. and he has a slightly different style and all of that because I thought he did that really well. He but did. it's a very different entry because it's not bringing you a progression of the story. The only progression is that okay, so the sun astro projects too. Yeah. Like that's the progression that but we it's knew a that. family business. And, but yeah. we knew that. And so they're following through with that, which I think is great. The demon's good in this. But they don't, and the demon's okay. And, but they don't follow through with any of the other things and they don't answer a lot of the unanswered questions. Yeah. And, and when there's funny, it's a plot device and it means something and it's, and it, and it's well-placed and well-timed. So maybe, maybe that is a piece of the direction that I, that I didn't like, but I just thought it needed to be more complex. 
Me too. I'm used to there being more. Like you go into it an insidious movie these days going, all right, what do you got for me this time? What do I got to figure out? What do I, I, I got my brain turned on and I got my popcorn and my butter and I'm ready. And that was not this. This felt like a Blumhouse movie. Yeah, it, it did. It felt like a Blumhouse movie. And now I like a lot of Blumhouse so movies. So do I. But- and I like his standalone stuff is really entertaining, yeah. but it doesn't match with what this, this all was yeah, this or supposed to be. It's really like they just out. went, how do we finish this up? All right. That sounds good to me. Let's do that. Yeah. Or they just let him have too free a reign because, you know, you know, whatever. I don't know. What are you going to do? What are you do? All right. So how did you rate your, these for yourself? Are we starting from worst or best? Yeah, let's go worst to best. Okay. Well, five is this number five. Mm-hmm. Do you want me to do all of mine first? Yeah. Okay. Uh, number four would be number two. Okay. Okay. Number three would be number one. So my third place is number the first I'm one. I'm so confused already. Okay. So <laughs> fifth place is number five. Got it. Fourth place is number two. Got it. Third place is number one. Ah. Second place is number three. And first place is the last key. So we are very close. So mine are the one I liked the worst was this most recent movie, uh, The Red Door. Chapter two is next. Mm-hmm. Insidious, the original, is third place. Okay. And like I said, I did not expect that because I was expecting that mm-hmm. to be my first. So one. so far we're on point. I know we're the same, and we just have the first two inverted. I liked okay. three a little bit more than I liked four because I like that straightforward haunting. Yeah, they're both good, and I just really liked the direction that Lee Winnell went with his uh, with his direction and the way they the way they made that happen. So, yeah. I would say that we both recommend films three and four. Do you have to watch one at least? Yeah, I think you have to watch the first Insidious. I would watch the first two. I Yeah, I mean, I think going in order is great, but you really don't have to finish it out with number five if you don't want to. Nah. <laughs> I think that's pretty much where we're going. But uh, thank you so much for listening. Oh, we need facts. I need answers oh, yes, to facts. Oh, yes, we do. We got so into our conversation that we forgot about, or I forgot about facts. I don't know the answers oh, to any of these. Oh, let me find them for you, Shannon. <laughs> okay. Back in 2018, when the last key hit cinemas, Jason Blum considered doing a crossover with what horror franchise? 2018, you said? Yes. Okay. Uh, the Conjuring franchise? Sinister. Oh, that yeah, that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. We should do Sinister franchise on the show, too. Yeah, we should. <laughs> Number two, that's a, I love that franchise. Yeah. Number I mean, two, I like this franchise, too, but... How long did the first Insidious take to shoot? Um, 35 days. Three weeks. You weren't too far off. I wasn't too far off. I knew it was short, but eh, what are you going to do? So our, our demon friend... <laughs> In uh, a couple shots, so the the shot of Lorraine's flashback and Josh's bride in black Polaroid scene mm-hmm. was played by Joseph Bashara. What else did he do for the film? Was he like the cinematographer or something? He was the composer. Oh, okay, there Isn't you go. Cool? Ah. They pulled him in just for those couple shots. Nice. Yeah. I love that. Number four, uh, what famous villain is drawn on the chalkboard when Josh is at school during the first Insidious film? Freddy Krueger? Billy the puppet from Saw. <laughs> that makes sense. And then, right. And then number five, which film in the franchise had the lowest rotten tomato score, but became the highest grossing number two, the last key. Oh, okay. 
And I think that adds up to like kind of what I experienced is after watching it again. When people revisited it, they really liked like, it. So they went back like, for yeah, more. Oh, so. that makes Maybe, sense. Yeah, or Maybe. people didn't want to give it a shot in the theater or they just didn't like it as much because it wasn't focused on Josh and, and Renee. Maybe. But then it, I don't know. I was thinking a lot of times that happens because the PR budget is very high. You know, they, they pimped it a lot. So people really got really excited about it and the trailers were really good. And so it grossed a lot of money, but people's expectations were so high that they rated it poorly. Like, yeah. you know, that was more my, my thought process, but it's possible. Thank you for the facts. Wait, let's do this. Thanks for the facts, Kathy. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.